the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Now, there are some Bible teachers who insist that whenever leaven, and maybe you've heard this, whenever leaven is mentioned in Scripture, they say it always refers to something that is evil and corrupt. I, I disagree with that. I don't see that in Scripture. And that's certainly not the case here. Jesus wouldn't be teaching that his kingdom influences the world for evil. That, that, that's impossible that he would say that. In today's class of Verse by Verse, we will learn just what Jesus intended for his disciples and us to learn from this parable of the mustard seed and the leaven is found in Matthew 13. Open your Bibles there and join Pastor Steve Kreloff and the rest of the class as he lays out this important passage of Scripture. We are glad you have joined us today. These daily Bible classes come to you from Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater. They are all available for streaming or downloading at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Download as many as you like from a wide variety of subjects and portions of Scripture. You can call us at 727-239-0306 if you have any questions or comments about the resources presented there. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these classes. Today he will bring the final portion of his study on this parable. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31. He begins our class by reviewing the significance of the mustard seed becoming a great tree. Here is Pastor Steve. So you understand that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream or this vision in which he saw a tree with branches going out and birds and other animals taking refuge in it. Now, nobody in his kingdom knew how to interpret this, but there was a man by the name of Daniel, a prophet of God. And as the chapter goes on to say, Daniel was able to give the correct interpretation of this dream. He gives it. In verses 20 and following, we read this. He tells Nebuchadnezzar, The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the, the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged, it is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. What Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar is that you are this kingdom. You are this tree. Your kingdom has become so great, Nebuchadnezzar, that it brought many great things to other nations all around the, the world. In other words, the birds that dwelt in the branches of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom were the nations of the world that benefited from his kingdom. It's, it's true that the Babylonian Empire took a lot of lives and was brutal, but the nations of the world as a whole did benefit 
from this kingdom. How? They benefited in the sense that his kingdom brought advancement to the other nations in the field of economics, of education, art, farming, etc. On and on it went. It really did benefit the other nations. And by the way, in Ezekiel 31.6, we're given the precise same imagery about another kingdom, the kingdom of Assyria, that, that is represented as a tree with branches going out and birds nesting in it. If you want to look that up on your own, you can. That's Ezekiel 31, verse 6. So what is the point that Jesus was making in stating that, that birds are going to nest in the branches of his kingdom? It's this. Same point, same point that the Babylonian and Assyrian kingdom had. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that his kingdom was going to start off small, unrecognizable, like a tiny mustard seed with just a handful of very unimpressive followers, but it would grow into a glorious and great kingdom bringing, watch this, untold blessings and benefits to those who would come under its influence. And folks, that's exactly what has happened in history, and it happens today. Within 40 years of Christ's death and resurrection, the gospel had reached all the major cultural centers of the Roman Empire. And today, Christ's kingdom has spread literally to the ends of the earth. No matter where you go in the world, there are believers. In my limited travels in the world, I have always come across the church of Jesus Christ. Even in Papua New Guinea, there are believers sitting around worshiping the Lord, no matter where you go. And when believers live in obedience to the Word of God, they do become great blessings to the nations of the world that they live in. How? When they are obedient to the Word of God, believers have the strongest marriages. They raise children who are respectful and obedient They lift the moral standards of their society. They demonstrate compassion and kindness to those who are hurting. They are the most productive workers. They are the model citizens who respect and obey government's authorities, on and on, untold blessings. When believers are obedient to the Word of God, they do bring blessings to their society. Listen, it is a fact of life that wherever the gospel of Christ has gone, society has benefited. Always. Because historically, it has been Christians who have worked at abolishing slavery, especially in England, bringing about justice and prison reforms, enhancing educational levels of the culture. Christians are usually the ones in the culture to establish hospitals and and medical clinics. They're the ones who address the rights of children, the dignity of women, and countless other benefits that come from being exposed to the Judeo-Christian ethic. Wherever the kingdom is, it has brought blessing to society. So why did Jesus tell his disciples this parable about the mustard seed? Simply because he wanted them to understand that in spite of being so few in in number and being opposed by Satan, his kingdom would grow into something, something special, something so large that it would cover the world, and have a global impact. And folks, you and I need to be encouraged by the same truth. Sometimes we do feel like we're very alone. I was talking to a Christian leader recently, and he he said to me, he said, you know, it just gets so lonely. And I understand that. But you're not alone. 
you're not alone. You are part of, of something that is bigger than what we, we realize. And, and sometimes people kind of get uh, just locked into their, own, into their church and thinking, well, that's, that's all that, that we really are, just, just us in a church. But no, it, you're part of a vast kingdom, reaches around the, the globe. You may feel at times a bit overwhelmed by living in a world that's very hostile to Christians, Christ, and Christianity, but you are part of that vast kingdom that stretches around the world, a kingdom that has bestowed blessings upon believers and unbelievers wherever it has gone. So this is the point of the parable. It is intended to bring encouragement. We may be small, but the kingdom is large. We may, may have started off being unimpressive, but we will have an impressive way of influencing people. Now, the Lord was so intent that this message be understood by his disciples that he actually gave them a second parable, very similar to this parable, the parable of the leaven, which only reinforces this parable. So let's look at this quickly. Verse 33, he spoke another parable to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Once again, Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to something that really was, was quite familiar to his Jewish listeners. He compared it to a woman baking some bread. In Christ's day, a woman made bread by saving a piece of some leavened dough or yeast from a batch of dough that she had already made. And then... When she made a new batch of dough, what she would do is she would take that old saved piece of leavened dough and put it into the new batch in order that its leaven could ferment, which would then cause the new batch of dough to rise. That's how they did it. They didn't go to the store and have it already made. The women had to make it. Now, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is just like a woman who took some leavened dough and hid it. And the thought is that, that she placed it. She put it in three pecks of flour, which really was a very large amount of flour because it was the major food staple of that day. Three pecks of flour would be the equivalent of a modern bushel. And the result was that this little bit of leavened dough caused the entire large batch of dough to rise. It just took a little a little leaven. That, that's all. Now, that's what the parable says. Not hard to understand. Everybody who listened to Jesus that day would have grasped it. Nobody would have said, that's foreign to me. They all understood this because they were familiar with how bread was made. A little bit of leaven causes a large batch of dough to rise. But what's the spiritual meaning behind this parable? The primary point of this parable is very, very similar to the point of the parable of the mustard seed. Both the mustard seed and the leaven start off very small, but they both grow into something very large. See, what Jesus was teaching in this parable is that his kingdom is just like leaven in the sense that it it just looks small and relatively unimportant, but like leaven... It has the power, watch this, to permeate and influence the entire world. Amazing. See, leaven just looked like a minor ingredient in baking bread, just just minor. However, once that small, minor-looking piece of leaven was placed in a large new batch of dough, it permeated 
all the dough. It, it didn't take much. It caused it to rise. Likewise, Christ's kingdom at the time of his first few disciples was small and looked rather minor and meaningless. But once they were placed in the world, after he returned to the Father, they turned the world upside down. They did turn the world upside down. Remember in the book of Acts, it says the men that have turned the world upside down have come here. They did turn their world upside down, the entire world for Christ. Now, there are some Bible teachers who insist that whenever leaven, and maybe you've heard this, whenever leaven is mentioned in Scripture, they say it always refers to something that is evil and corrupt. I, I disagree with that. I don't see that in Scripture. And that's certainly not the case here. Jesus wouldn't be teaching that his kingdom influences the world for evil. That, that, that's impossible that he would say that. See, when leaven is mentioned in the Bible, it primarily, note this, it primarily refers not to evil, although there are times it may, but not primarily. It refers to a little bit having a tremendous power to influence a large quantity. That's how leaven is primarily used when it's taken in a comparison way, a metaphorical way. Primarily refers to a little bit having tremendous power to influence a large quantity. And let me illustrate this for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is going to address a very serious problem of the church at Corinth. There was a man in that church who was having sexual, immoral relations with his father's wife, so a, a stepmother. And the church did nothing about it. Notice what Paul says. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. He said that I'm told that there's immorality of a nature that not even the pagans would tolerate. The pagans, with their low view of morality, they wouldn't even be involved in something this bad. And then he explains uh, that, it's, that it's someone who has his father's wife. He said, and you have become, verse 2, arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. Apparently, their attitude was, we're pretty tolerant. We're rather open-minded and we can handle this. We, we, we let all be in our church, and they don't have to change. You hear that, by the way, today. All are welcome. You don't need to change anything. Paul said, uh, you should have removed this man from your midst. You don't keep somebody in the church like that. This is called church discipline. He says in verse 3, for I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him. Who has, so, who has so committed this as though I were present. Paul said, I'm asserting my apostolic authority in your church. I'm not there in, in visible present form, but I'm telling you, you got to remove this man. I've already done it in my mind. I'm passing judgment. He says, verse 4, in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan means I'm putting him out of the church. I'm putting him in Satan's domain. There is a protective sense in which being a part of a church 
is the Lord's domain and protects you from the prince of this world. So he said, I'm delivering such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. There will be some type of physical affliction that this man will have so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now notice verse 6. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Paul says, don't you understand one bad apple corrupts the whole bunch of apples? Don't you understand how leaven works? If you have one man like that in your congregation, it will corrupt the entire church. Remove the man. Put him out. If he repents, receive him back. But folks, that's church discipline. But what I wanted you to see is this whole concept of leaven. But the leaven isn't the evil. The leaven is the permeation of a little bit affecting a lot. That's the point. A little leaven permeates and influences a large amount. That's how leaven is primarily used in the Bible, and that's the point of this parable. That's exactly what happened with Christ's initial followers. The world was changed because of the gospel and the influence of godly lives in society. And Christ's kingdom today continues to impact our world. When believers like you and me penetrate our world, we have the opportunity to live out the truths of Scripture, and we really do make a difference. Now, you may not think of yourself as someone who can make a difference in the world that you, that you live in because you're probably not famous. They probably won't put you on, on television and make a movie out of you or a book out of you or even an article uh, about you. But you can make a difference in your sphere of influence. How? By the way you live, by the way you witness for Christ. Your honesty should make a difference in the world that that you live in. Your diligence to work hard, your high moral standards, your kindness in a world that frankly is not very kind at all, your business ethics, your, your speech, how you talk to people. We live in a nasty world. We live in a world of road rage. We have the opportunity to be different we can and will impact those around us. That's why Jesus said in John 17, he said, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm sending them into the world. That's why we're in the world, to shine forth the glory of of Christ and have our, our lives and our witness permeate our world for him. Now, after telling us these parables, Matthew interjects a brief explanation in verses 34 and 35 telling us why Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables. 34 and 35 say, All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This, he tells us, here's the reason, was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Matthew tells us that the reason Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables was because of the fulfillment of prophecy. You see... It didn't take the Lord by surprise that people would reject him, so now he had to go to plan B and speak in parables, so he'd have to judge them. 
This was always understood. This was prophesied. The prophecy he's speaking about is from Psalm 78, where the psalmist prophetically spoke of Christ opening his mouth in parables. The thought in the Old Testament is riddles to reveal truths that have been hidden since the foundation of the world. And isn't that what we said the parables are? These are truths that have been hidden in the mind and heart of God. Nobody knew this until Jesus spoke it. And he spoke it to tell us what the kingdom of this age is about. Let's bow for prayer. And as we do this, we need to apply these truths and parables to our lives and think through the implications. How does this parable, these these two parables, affect the way you live? How do they affect the way I live? Both reveal an important truth, first of all, that ought to encourage us. The gospel is rejected by many today. We know that. There's much opposition from Satan and false brethren. We know that. But Jesus continues to build his church. What a glorious truth. And by his grace, we being part of his church have the opportunity to impact our world for him. Folks, this is our time This is our time, this short span of time in this world. But our influence is based upon our obedience to the Word of God. So I ask you very pointedly, how is your obedience? Are you living like a believer? How is your obedience in the area of ethics? Are you different than others? Do you tell the truth on your income tax returns? Do you obey the laws of the land? Are you honest? even if it means losing money? What is your morality like? Are you different than the world that you live in? Gentlemen, are you watching things on the computer that you should not be watching? What about your kindness? As I said, we we live in a very unkind world. We live in a world that people are nasty and irritable, and they speak to us and to each other often in a horrible way. We have the opportunity to be different. What is your marriage like? Husbands, how do you treat your wife? Wives, how do you respond to your husbands? How are you raising your children? Is there a graciousness to you? Is there a generosity to you? All of these things. Our obedience means everything in terms of the kingdom impacting our world. You and I are part of that kingdom. Let's live in ways that influence our world for Christ. And if you don't know this king, I urge you to come to know him today. You can. Repent of your sin. See your lostness. Come to him. Bow before him. Trust him as the Savior and your master. Father, thank you for these two parables. Often, Lord, they are overlooked. They can be easily forgotten. But I pray that you would take these truths and drive them deep into our hearts. Because, Lord, your your kingdom is just like this. And I thank you that we're part of something that's much larger than what we can even see and grasp. Thank you that you are building your church all around the world. 
And I, I pray for believers, Lord, in this day and age, may we as the generation that seeks your face, the generation that lives differently, the generation that lives by the word of God, the generation that is distinct in their behavior, the generation that lives by scripture, Lord, and not by, by human philosophy, not, not by today's standards in our world, but by your standards. So, Lord, I pray you'll take these truths, drive them deep into our hearts, and may we live in a way that reflects Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Steve, for this great challenge to be faithful in our proclamation of the gospel, despite the opposition we may face. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What an encouragement that should be to us. And my friend, if you have any doubts as to your own salvation and being a part of Christ's kingdom, please call us and let us pray with you and discuss this most important issue of life. Our phone number is 727-239-0306. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. We'd love to have the opportunity to help you in any way we can. Don't forget our book offer for a gift of any amount to Verse by Verse this month. Write to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You may also contribute online by going to versebyverseradio.org. You can call us at 727-239-0306. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.